Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Ace testing maple syrup with a golden tongue and antioxidant woven mats. Judging and assessing maple syrup might seem like a laughing matter to you, but to Canadian farmers and producers, it's no joke. And antioxidants, aside from being a buzzword, actually help keep food fresh and wounds from festering. So how do we get long-lasting antioxidants? More than a few seconds, we're talking a couple of days. Find out about some innovative nanomaterial science. Now I want you to take a moment and look after yourself. Pause, have a deep breath. Maybe if you have it available, take a drink of some water whether it be tap water or bottled water. Now, our preference here is to recommend you choose tap if it's safe to do so. And in places like Australia, in particular in Melbourne, we're very fortunate to have very high quality tap water. And one of the things that they frequently do, which I know from my time working in the water departments of the Eastern Seaboard of Australia, is how they measure and assess the taste or quality of water. Now, as you could have guessed, if you've ever traveled somewhere had a sip of water and gone, oh, that tastes very different from how I was imagining it. You know the experience of tasting water that doesn't taste quite right, or at least what you expected it to. And that's because a number of factors go into make water taste different. Whether it be the presence of metals, how much treatment, whether there's any dosing with chlorine or fluoride, or how even the water reaches your tap, what it travels through. Concrete, cement lined pipes, steel cast iron pipes, some instances wood pipes. All of these things affect the flavour and the experience and taste and smell of drinking water. Adding into it bacteria, dissolved metals, dissolved oxygen, all of these things help change the flavour profile that you may get hit with. And that's in something as simple as water. Now the problem is, when you move to more sophisticated products than simple good old H2O, then how you assess and measure the taste of something becomes incredibly difficult. With water quality, you can measure things like turbidity, dissolved solids, presence of bacteria or chemical composition of water, all you like. But to actually get a consumer buy-in, you often also have to do taste panels, where you get a whole bunch of people together, a whole bunch of samples of water from different sources and different mixes and concentrations, and to guess them to see which ones, like a blind taste test challenge, are the most desirable type of water. And they use this kind of taste panel assessment all the time, not just for water, for all other kinds of food. The problem is when it comes to a much more complex flavor, well, chemically and perceptively, it becomes a lot more difficult to make those judgments. And then if you add in the pressure and stress of being able to decide both an economically incredibly important, but also cultural significant item, well, then deciding what is or what isn't or what is up to the standard or what is not becomes incredibly difficult. And that's incredibly true for one of the liquid golds of the world. And if you're in the north of America, you probably are quite fond of maple syrup. And for the region of Quebec in Canada, it is considered a real both economic and cultural important piece of produce. So how do you assess and prove that maple syrup is up to snuff. It is the best taste and meets all the requirements. Well, as we talked about before, a mere panel is not sufficient. Perception and individual preferences can cloud it. So it would be great if there was some kind of way to assess and measure this, chemically speaking, that used some kind of instrument 
This instrument would be able to make decisions without human judgment creeping into it. And that is exactly how it was being outlined in the journal Analytical Methods. It's a journal of the Royal Society of Chemistry in the UK. And in this, they outline a way to develop these researchers from the Université de Montréal, a way to use gold in the form of nanoparticles to assess the quality of Quebec's liquid gold maple syrup, making an artificial tongue. Now, you've often heard people have a silver tongue, but this really takes the cake. And, of course, an artificial tongue is going to be simpler than a human tongue. Can't capture all of the complex flavor profiles that your tongue can, as Université de Montréal Professor Jean-Francis Masson outlines. But the device works specifically to detect the key flavor differences between the different types of maple syrup. So it can't do all types of taste testing, and it can't do all complicated parts of individual taste testing, even something like maple syrup. But when it comes to some of the key flavor profiles, the things that distinguish forms of maple syrup from another, this tongue can detect them. And tongue itself is a colorimetric test that changes color to show how a maple syrup tastes. And the result is visible to the naked eye in a matter of seconds. And that's incredibly useful for a producer. If you are working there on the line trying to assess if your batch of maple syrup is liquid gold or liquid not quite good enough, maybe silver or bronze, then, well, you need something that you can use to quickly assess without having to send each sample off to the lab and wait hours, days, you name it, for that to come back with the results. By which time you've got a large vat of potentially silver syrup and that you don't want to actually send out to market. So to build up this, this artificial tongue was validated against 1,818 samples of maple syrup taken from all different regions of Quebec. The syrups were analysed to find the ones that best represented the different type of aromatic profiles and colours of syrup. There's the deep brown, dark brown types of syrup, as well as the golden syrups. And the tongue was all developed because the maple syrup producers in Quebec needed a way to quickly assess and identify each of those products or factory sensations and taste. Now, maple syrup, when you think about it, is actually quite similar to wine from a molecular standpoint. Of course, from a consistency and viscosity standpoint, very different. But it does have this unusual delicate taste without bitterness and a subtle aroma, much in the same way that certain type of wines do. And human tasters often have to be used to judge each batch to make sure they identify, ah, that's going to be a good golden syrup, that's going to be a good dark brown syrup, and all the other type of profiles to match. So what they used, this artificial tongue, to much in the same way that people looking after and managing, say, a swimming pool or a pool in your own backyard, use a pH test. You simply pour a few drops of syrup onto the golden nanoparticle reagent and you wait about 10 seconds. Then, if the result stays in the red spectrum, so that the sample stays red, it's got the qualities of a premium grade maple syrup, the one that's beloved by consumers and sold or exported to mass market. If the test starts to turn blue, then there might be a kind of flavour deficiency, one which is, means it's different from the typical desired standard profile. Now, that's often given, given away as industrial syrup, which is used in processing. It doesn't mean that the syrup's not good for consumption or that it has a different sugar level. These syrups are fine. It's just that they taste different to the one that is naturally preferred by consumers, or at least is found to. And often it gets used as a different part of the food process. 
normally people do actually not mind the taste of the same blue syrup, but they don't normally buy it as a solid bottle. And the thing is, there's a whole bunch of different categories that you can build these profiles and assessment metrics in. Caramelized, woody, green, smoky, salt, burnt. And it's the same whether you think about wine. They have so many weird and wonderful words to use to describe it. Peppery, tasting of smell, fresh grass, rocks. You can think about all these weird and strange ways people describe it. But what we're trying to do is translate scent into words, which never is easy. And the interesting part for maple syrup is that it's essentially just concentrated sugar. Two-thirds sugar, one-third water. And the rest of those tiny 1% of particles actually is what helps determine the taste flavor profile. And like wine, of course, if you use different ingredients at different times of the year with different levels of harvesters, you can have a great vintage of maple syrup or a not so great. And so this artificial tongue developed by the University of Montreal really enables researchers to piece together and assess qualitatively and quantitatively at the same time the profile of that syrup and if it measures up to the high importance placed on it both economically and culturally for the people of Montreal and Canada as a whole. Some great research published in Analytical Methods, including researchers Simone Forrest, Trevethrow, Julien Cotier from the University of Montreal. Now from assessing maple syrup, to try and stopping something, a natural process that can spoil food, sour wine, corrupt and corrode metals, as well as worsening wounds. This all has a common culprit, a process called oxidation. And oxidation is just a natural chemical reaction. And the problem is that this chemical reaction can have some negative side effects, normally curtailed by antioxidants. You might hear them touted as a slogan as ingredients in food and tea and you name it. It's being high in antioxidants. Well, all that means is it has something that in it that stops the oxidation process. And there's plenty of antioxidants. But creating a sturdy platform capable of providing prolonged and ongoing antioxidation activity, well, that's difficult. And no special tea is able to quite do that just yet. But it's exactly what researchers from Texas A&M University have been diving into. And these researchers have been trying to find a way to develop an antioxidant material. And they published their findings in the journal ACS Applied Materials and Interfaces. Now, what they've turned to, the lead authors on this paper are Adwat Gakkard and Hannah Hoshiko. And what they were looking at, along with a number of other collaborators, was a way to develop what they called an antioxidant mat a fiber woven together in ultrafine strands of pollen overlaid on it and they wove into this polymer mat a naturally occurring antioxidant that's commonly found in red wine now these mats are strong and durable capable of delivering antioxidant activity for a long period of time and they leach out this antioxidant from buried deep inside these wats they're basically woven into them now, the real innovation here, as lead author Advart Geico points out, who's a graduate student at Texas ASM, is that they needed to develop a way to fine-tune the steps to make it. It means they needed to make it spin-up, defect-free, ultra-microscopic fibres. 
and they needed to be really nice, simple to make, and not problematic, i.e. having defects, that they could then use as the base platform for the antioxidant mats. Then each fiber is intermolecularly linked to several antioxidant molecules. So then when you get that final mat, which is made of layer upon layer of these fibers, and each of those fibers have attached to them this antioxidant, which they've derived from a red wine source. Now you have this basically like a really highly powered tea bag, another way to think about it, or not quite true because tea bag is only fiber around tea leaves. And if you imagine that process repeated time and time and time and time and time and time again, starting from nanoscale upwards, well, that's basically how they ended up with this mesh mat. And that's really useful because it gives lots and lots of antioxidants with a lot of surface area, and it also means it can leach out over a long period of time. Plus, the housing, these fibers that it's embedded into, is really robust, which means it can take a lot of battering from whatever chemical process or thing you've dumped it into. But the thing is, oxidation is normal. You actually want oxidation to happen. For example, without oxidation, you wouldn't have alcohol because you don't have the process to alter the drink's taste, color, and aroma. As an example of why oxidation can be used to develop flavor profiles or form new materials. So oxidation is useful, but left unconstrained for a long period of time, well, that can be problematic. But the same is true that you can take something found in an oxidized product, red wine, called tannic acid. And the reason why researchers like Hannah Hushko were attracted to this tannic acid is because it's got antibacterial and antiviral properties. That really useful now because it's an antioxidant, it's antiviral, and it's antibacterial. And the reason why this tannic acid has all of these things together is because it contains a grouping of atoms called polyphenols that's embedded into the tannic acid's molecular structure. So because they knew that these polyphenols had not only couple of properties that they liked, antibacterial and antiviral, but they know that polyphenols in general actually have antioxidant properties, well, it means you could really use this tannic acid as the building block for the antioxidant that you wanted to embed into these sheets, these synthetic mats made of polymer. Now, previously, people have been blending the antioxidants into these mats. So you make the mat first, and then you try and stir in the antioxidants by flattening them onto the sheet. But the problem is here is that there's less surface area. And with anything in terms of chemical reactions, more surface area gives you more chance to expose and interact. And so that makes it more useful. So to increase the surface area, they created an antioxidant mesh with all these fine fibers and just kept building it up. So unlike earlier blending techniques where you try and mix it through, you actually end up with a, a multi-layered mat of all these different fibers, which gives you an insane increase on surface area, but also strength and durability. Because you get hydrogen bonds between the different layers, and you actually get the, the layers of the material holding itself together, as well as their tensile strength for being a mesh. So all of these findings are incredibly useful. And what they found when they subjected this synthetic antioxidant mat to rigorous study, is that they're stable, at the pH of water, which is very good. They can provide sustained antioxidant activity by releasing the tannic acid for around 20 days. Now, that's incredibly long periods of time for any chemical reaction, let alone one that's quite helpful because it can prevent food from spoiling. It can prevent 
wounds from festering. These are really useful things. And to be able to provide that sustained benefit for a long period of time on a chemical level, that's great. Considering reactions often can take place in seconds. So days as a time frame, really useful. It shows the advantage of having this increased surface areas of from the mats. So the better part about making this meshed mat is that they had around 10 time increase in strength. And the nanofiber design mean it was mechanically really strong and durable, but still having the flexibility like a cloth to wrap around an object. And again, if we're talking wrapping food or closing up a wound, in both cases, well, you'd actually want it to be flexible, to be able to wrap around the inner lining as a container for food storage, or to be able to wrap around a wound to prevent bacteria, infection from viruses, or even just oxidation on the wound surface as well. So again, this is a really interesting application, being improved upon and enhanced by some innovative nanomaterial design. All of this research was done at a Texas A&M University under the direction of Professor Svetlana Shukasvili from the College of Engineering with lead authors Arvat Gakkard and Hannah Hashuko. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Assessing the quality of maple syrup using a golden tongue, along with ways to improve antioxidants by having a flexible material you can wrap around a wound or food. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.